you're listening to the Degrees of Freedom podcast. Conversations about higher education in the 21st century between students and teachers. Produced at the University of Groningen. Welcome to this first episode of Degrees of Freedom. My name is Tasso Sarampolis. I'm a lecturer in psychology. Hi everyone, my name is Sally Ainsworth. I'm a master's student in applied cognitive neuroscience. And in this first episode today, we're trying to explore the question of what it means to be a student in universities these days, what higher edu- what the purpose of higher education is, and figure out what expectations of teachers are on, on students and their behavior and uh, self-improvement and vice versa. I understand what students think higher education is and what the role of the teacher is in this. And here with us today to talk about this topic is Klaus von Lane. He is the vice dean of our faculty. Klaus, you're also a professor of educational studies. What does it mean to you to follow that role? Um, well, good morning. Uh, what does it mean? Well, it, it's actually... I, I was fascinated by the process of learning. I started as a primary school teacher studying for it. And actually, I did not understand the thing about how uh, kids were learning. I was telling them something and some kids would learn, some kids would pick it up and some kids wouldn't pick it up. And I read stuff about it in psychology and still I didn't understand. Even when I read a lot about that stuff, I still don't completely understand how an insight comes up and how as a teacher you can provide an environment. It's a fascinating thing. And it fascinates me how to organize the learning of people. And that's, yeah, that's actually the thing that fascinates me as a professor in educational studies. Well, that's interesting that you you say this because you talk about learning from the point of view of how children learn. And here we are at a university in sort of the complete opposite end of the spectrum of education. Maybe we can start by thinking a little bit about the, the, the major differences between the role of a student in higher education as opposed to all other kinds of education. There's a, if we think about exploring the idea of what a university student is and what she does, maybe we can start by thinking about what she doesn't do or what the differences are from other roles. What, what are the differences from high school? So for me, there's a lot more personal uh, responsibility obviously you have to attend the lectures and do a lot of self-study and one of the things we asked students for input on for this episode was the contradiction between personal development and more structured course learning and whether those two go hand in hand or whether they compete with each other And many of them said that the course learning actually benefited them less over the time of their university than their self-development. And for me, I have to admit that I feel the same way, that I feel that university has molded me more as a person than just in terms of knowledge. I think that's a key difference. So... We have every year in our faculty, we have what, close to 900 students starting, having more or less just finished high school with the structures of mm-hmm. high school education, with the, the rigid structure of high school education, if you like, and then becoming, becoming university students with all the independence, 
with all the new tasks and all the new roles that this involves, and at the same time, having to learn how to be university students. And one of my motivations for recording this episode uh, as our first episode is because I know it from my experience that after the first month of excitement and uh, discovery of the basic practicalities of where are my lecture rooms and how do I deal with uh, Ocasis and uh, the scheduling and all of this, starts the, the questioning or the, the thinking, what am I doing here? What, how should I approach this task of learning for higher education? Suddenly, there is no parent to tell me when to go to bed or when to go to class or when to wake up. Uh, or to prepare my meals and all of this. And your role as an individual becomes much more complex. As a social creature, as a, an independent human being, as, um, as a learner. What, what do we expect as, uh, as university teachers and university administrators and uh, instructors What do we advise our students? What do we think they need to be changing in their approach to this? What is the purpose of higher education? I think ultimately this is the question that we're asking here. How does it differ from all kinds of other, all other kinds of education? And how should we think about approaching it? Class, you've, uh, yeah, you've got the most experience in this. Yeah, it's quite complex uh, because as university, we expect actually a lot of autonomy that you're capable of organizing your own learning at the same time we're very aware that people just came from secondary schools but not only this that in their the, the phase they were in, in their psychological development it's actually a phase when you get into this uh, phase of exploration between 18 and 25 in general the prefrontal cortex still has not yet formed and actually that is quite a complex thing sometimes i think people should start studying at the university after their when they're 25 not before so you mentioned also um, uh, personal development that's the yeah. main thing and uh, instead of that coursework like how, how relevant is it And I think actually you're in this phase now, in between 18 and 25, that people are really into personal development, exploring the society, who, are, who do I want to be, uh, their identity. And actually I think the university is a perfect place to explore those issues, but I'm not completely sure if the university, whether the university is really focused on this. I mean, we try to, 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 to prepare people to become academic professionals, as we say uh, at this faculty professional in a certain field and I think it's it, it is about a certain position attitude perspective on, on reality which I think is, is, is actually this, this whole thing the, the, this research attitude that we explore stuff that we're looking for evidence and we're trying to define what evidence is and we hope that students become aware uh, sensitive to this issue Actually, that we that we all the time we work with conclusions that we try to undermine, so to say, how to say, like Popper said, it's all working assumptions. Uh, we keep them till we prove they're wrong. 
And there's a different attitude, a different perspective on knowledge and reality itself. So this is interesting what you're bringing in. You're saying that you brought in a couple of things that I, I thought were interesting to explore. The first is that you talked about higher education as having the goal of stimulating or creating perhaps academic professionals. So it is a professional qualification in a sense, which I think is a is something that not everybody would entirely agree with or will, will would introduce some boundary conditions on. Uh, and sure. you also talked about the fact that the thing that distinguishes university education is an approach to, to problems or an approach to the world, an open-minded but also critical attitude towards solving problems and understanding how the world works with evidence and the evaluation of evidence. Is this how our education is structured? Is this how you've experienced it, Sally, too? To an extent. I feel like most of the times that I've experienced that have been during opportunities that I had to volunteer myself for and put myself out for. But in the base course, I, I wouldn't say so, no. I feel like, again, it is the difference between embracing opportunities that you get to develop yourself and to approach topics that are more world aware <laughs> and just sitting back and listening to lectures following the course doing the exam and you know rinse and repeat so i'll mirror exactly the same experience from the side of the of the teacher and i think this goes hand in hand with what you said earlier, Sally, about the tension between self-education and self-development and the structural part of education that we have. And uh, I'm reminded of a quote that I think I've shared with both of you already at some point by Isaac Asimov, who said that self-education is really the only kind of education. And to me, it also rings true that we need some kind of structure and we create this structure in our university curricula in which we, or through which, I suppose, we expect students to, to travel and to find their path. But the reality is, and this is, I think, the, the core of this episode, that what we expect of students or what we think students should be doing is to be independent, autonomous, as you said, class, individuals with, with their own goals and their own breadth of interests, that they need to explore and to create essentially that self-development on their own. Is that, is that something that, that we agree on or is there... The, is there well, it sounds very ideal. I mean, my experience is that most students really need a very strict structure. And that is actually opposite to this, this thing of autonomy. If you give them this autonomy and this total freedom, most of them will party. They will take the time to personally develop themselves in, in a social sense. The, which is another purpose of higher education, it seems to me, or at least that part of the life between uh, finishing secondary education and, um, and um, what becoming a, a functional, productive, useful member of society to to let your hair down a little bit and discover a little bit more about yourself through this independence. Is that is that fair to say? Less ideal, perhaps. Well, no, the, or less idealized. 
Yeah, but it's not something that as a university we really take into account. But it's not part of the program. It's part of the, the, the social program that people organize themselves. All right, here I disagree, class. We take it into account. We don't organize it. If we don't take into account what happens in our students' lives, we're not doing a very good job. I'm sure we take it into account. Well, we are aware of it. <laughs> I mean, taking it into account means that you do something uh, about it. As a university, we don't. I feel like... I don't want to speak for the university again. I don't want the weight of the entire um, academic structure on my shoulders. But as a teacher, I feel that I'm aware of, or I should be aware of the of the life structures of the individuals whom I'm asking to do certain tasks for their own development. No, I know, but I think this is about the tension between uh, what Sally also called this personal development that you really want to explore the world and discover yourself and. and identity, who you want to be, who you want to become. Uh, and at the same time, you're in, in an educational environment where this is not really the main goal. It's not personal development here at the university. It's not the main goal. When you do the basic courses, that's not written in the learning goal, so to say. We hope you will uh, personally develop. But that, I think it's a tension because it's in the you're in the phase that you are, and actually the university provides you a lot of perspectives on life that can help you to to to, to develop yourself. But it's it's not the main goal of the university university education. So let me let me look to my right and ask Sally, <laughs> not yeah. because she has the weight of all the the body of students on her shoulders, but she because has now. she does now, <laughs> yes. Um, is this is this the goal of an 18, 19, 20-year-old student who's going to university? The academic, uh, what do we say, academic professionalism? Is that, do you think, the main aim that these individuals have? I think over the course of uh, my bachelor, I changed significantly from the first year to last year. More so than I have in any other three-year period of my life. So... As a class was saying before, I do think in the first year I really appreciated the structure because you are dealing with so many new things and not just with a new type of classes, but with learning home skills that you've never had to use before and things like that. So in that sense, I was less worried about self-development in the first year. I didn't want as much autonomy. But I think by third year, I was actually quite wishing that I had more options, uh, more autonomy and yeah, ways to branch out more. Because even with doing extracurricular stuff, yeah, there's always competition with other students. I mean, I was part of a very oversubscribed course, so that didn't help. But I think there needs to be some sort of transition period rather than throwing everyone in the deep end when they first start. So I guess what you're also saying is that in some ways in higher education we do, in, in a way, take into account the personal development of the individuals, perhaps not their social development per se, but I feel like a lot more today than, at least in my days and perhaps your days too, class, 
the university is much more conscious about offering students opportunities to develop to develop themselves. We just just spending a few minutes looking yesterday, just in our faculty, we have coaching platform now, we have all the academic advisors at the university level, we have a well-being okay. portal. All of these things are related to our care or understanding that a student isn't a disembodied creature with a, with a floating brain. They have uh, aspirations, they have hopes, they have fears, they have all their... Yeah, their... True, but at the same time, what I see when I compare, I was the university in the early 90s and now you're supposed to 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 finish your bachelor within three years one year of master and then it's over uh, there's a huge concern about the employability do i get a job am i prepared enough for the labor market which i think actually because also the notion of academic professional i mean you already raised that issue I would really emphasize the word academic instead of professional because I actually don't think, I still think the old ideal of the university is that you, you get educated in a general sense and you're not prepared for a job. It's not a vocational uh, uh, training institute or something. But more and more it is. Are you happy with that? No. I'm not happy with that either. Not at all, but there's, uh, uh, the students are somehow socialized to, 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 to they worry about it. Uh, am I prepared enough for the labor market? That's the dominant flavor of, of our society at the moment. It's not... Mm. Um... Yeah, and at the same time, you see that already for the last 20 years, um, the educational policy is focused on actually saving money when it comes to higher education. So everything has to be efficient. And also you have to study in an efficient way, otherwise you get a lot of debts. And that to me is in contrast to the, the, the free space that university really was, where you can really develop yourself and, and, and delve into this ocean of knowledge. Which I, somehow, I, I thought you were referring to this a little, like mm. there's not that much autonomy in that sense that you can pick whatever you want to pick because there's yeah. time limits. Yeah. yeah. It's a tricky, as you said, in a three-year bachelor, time flies. Um, by the time you start figuring out the mechanics of being a university student, just the simple structures of the semester or the block system that we have here in Groningen, uh, to understanding the expectations of your teachers about what will be assessed and what you're expected to do. And perhaps maybe we can talk about this. I know in my discussions with you, <coughs> Sally, in the past, there is a, there's a contrast between what a teacher thinks they communicate about their expectations and what students actually understand about what the expectations are. On the one hand, we teachers feel like we're holding too many hands all the time and telling people exactly what they ought to be doing. And I can, I'm willing to put good money on the, the reality that students probably feel uncertain more than certain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I think it goes back to the transition from high school because you're so used to being told exactly what to do and what to learn and for when. And when you come to university, you're just given a book and some lectures and uh, you have to 
figure out a lot by yourself. But if you just read the book and listen to the lectures, you're not going to pick up skills that you will actually use in the future and remember. For example, with writing is a huge one. We're often assessed on our writing, but not really taught how to write. I mean, it's not something you can teach that easily. You have to practice it and do it over and over again. And because students don't have to do that, they often just don't. Um, and that's, again, one of those things where putting in the time for self-development makes a huge difference between just following the course. Um, but students often see it the other way around, where they think that, well, they're not telling me how to do this, <laughs> so it's it's their fault. Um, which I can understand in some courses, <laughs> but there are situations where you do have to put more time into it than you necessarily need to to pass an exam or to move on to the next course if you want to have a skill that you can actually use in the future. So, so is this something, is this a problem of the university or of the student? I mean, who's, who's responsible? What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. now, are, you, are you actually saying, as a university, you, you should make us more autonomous or... I think structure. it's more about communication of expectations and I think acknowledgement of the transition between high school and university, perhaps leaving the autonomy for later on in the studies. Okay, let me give you a concrete example of what I was thinking of. A couple of years ago I was talking to students of the faculty council and they were very focused on the, um, they, their point was all lectures should be recorded so we could, afterwards we could have another look at the lecture. And I said, to provoke them, I said, I actually don't know why you're going to the lectures. You should just stay home and study the books and make the exams. And then they all started to laugh. I said, what's the joke? They said, well, you said reading the books. I said, what's the joke? So we don't read books. We have the uh, abstracts. Yeah, the summaries. The summaries. The and notes. That's, uh, with those notes, we can actually pass most exams. Hey, you brought in the topic of efficiency just uh, five <laughs> minutes ago. This is an yeah. efficient way to get to be a successful student, which for a lot of people is to pass the exams with good grades. And I thought, this is, this is, this is not... I mean, I was not laughing. They noticed that I was not laughing. I said, I don't like it. Well, well, and I said, to the t I said to some teachers, we have to think about how you can organize that they will read the books, that they are challenged to read the books, because there's a value in reading the books instead of the, yeah, the summaries. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what should we do? For me personally, I always felt more motivated to read the book when there was weekly quizzes or some sort of interactive element so that I could keep up week per week whereas if it's just up to you I found it much easier to keep letting a little bit slide and then mm -hmm. you get further and further behind and then you're two weeks from the exam and you're like well it's much easier to read a summary at that point so it is that you're asking for more structure well <laughs> it is this tension that we brought at the beginning the tension yeah. between independence and structure um but independence without purpose 
is not independence, it's chaos. So structure is what brings in, I suppose, unless we explicitly discuss the purpose of whatever it is that we're doing in these three years, in these hundreds and hundreds of hours of activities, and make it a mutual understanding, a real understanding, not just a point that we kind of um, agree that it's, it's ethereal but not real, unless we really agree on those things and embody these in our behaviors, then we need the structure in which to reinforce the right kind of behaviors for the right kind of purposes. And if, again, we go back to what you said earlier, to build academic professionals or to, to develop academic professionals, the academic being, as you said, the important part, which is a way of thinking, it's an attitude to approaching knowledge and approaching the task of learning and developing, then I don't know that it's fair for us, or fair, it's reasonable for us to, to think that we don't need to address this in a, in, a, in, a, in a structural way during the first year, the first half a year of higher education. Mm-hmm. And I dare say that I've never been in a university where I felt completely satisfied that we do this well. This isn't commentary on what we do here, certainly not. No, but I think that, that, that is really a point, that we somehow expected autonomy. That's what we were starting. As a university, you somehow... I think most teachers actually expect students to understand or, or quickly learn what is required to, to, to be successful here. So, all right, this is a good and important section. I think a lot of the students who are listening to this podcast will be interested in what the expectations are. What do we understand as the, I'm doing uh, air quotation marks, the successful student? We had some people, some students who have graduated recently, tell us what they understand as the successful student, right? So we had some interesting input from Ligia, who defined a successful student by three different points. First, self-awareness, in particular knowledge of oneself and one's limits. Uh, second, routine, uh, which she said is good for mental health and brings balance to your life. And also teaches you to have more discipline and control over what you do. And thirdly, good grades. <laughs> Routines? Yes. What, what does it really mean? I think she meant by this um, having a study routine. So planning what you're going to do and when. Time management skills. Yeah. Study habits, that sort of thing. It reminds me of this Canadian psychologist who's very famous right now, Peterson or something. Jordan Peterson. Who has his rules, and one of the rules is uh, when you wake up, make up your bed because you already accomplished something that day. <laughs> yeah, one can take structures um, to interesting places. But so. I remember reading this answer too and finding it very um, interesting. Is that, the, is that a common theme or are there other common themes in the answers about what a successful student is? There was some disagreement about the good grades part. For example, uh, Miriam said that it's not about good grades, it's about having a deep interest, enjoyment and commitment to their study subject. So being able to mm. identify with what you do. Is that what most students think? Is Do most students think that it's not about the grades? Do we, in the end, think it's not about the grades? 
in a way, I think we talk about grades as not being the important part. And indeed, I would mirror this from the side of teachers that our expectations are that what we care more about isn't absolute performance in an exam or in an assignment, but a certain commitment to learning, a commitment to being interested in asking the right kind of questions and exploring the answers to these questions. But at the same time, when it comes to getting into a master's program or, a, or another program, Grades are important. Yeah, but I, I don't like them. Because what, what I hear in that answer is actually... I mean, there's a lot of research about what is learning exactly and what gives the most satisfaction. And one of the answers to that is that when you create something new which was not there before, that's one of the most satisfactory things to do also getting insights that you really did not have before, that you really think that you see it from a different perspective, gives also a lot of satisfaction. And the problem is that we're programmed in a way that we mostly we assimilate. That most of the knowledge we get is something that we actually say, well, I actually already knew this. And if the university does that to you, then they do a wrong job. Actually, they have to let you accommodate that you actually think this is really new. I didn't know because most people actually don't understand a thing, uh, and they they think they understand the world, but they're fooled by randomness, so to say. And if you really start to understand what the real thing is, I think that gives a lot. Of, that's actually what I hear in the answer. That gives a lot of satisfaction that you really think now I. I get a more basic understanding of stuff, of reality. Does that, does that resonate with you? Yeah, yeah. I think grades are obviously influenced by so many factors as well that they're not really a good measure because, yeah, uh, I hate to bring up the pandemic, but that's an obvious example. And also just I've had courses before where it kind of came naturally to me remembering answers to the questions. So it wasn't really about the amount of effort I put in. It was just a subject that was easier for me to remember because exams do test memory more than skill, in my opinion. Well, some exams. And uh, I know class uh, is very interested in the topic of diversifying assessment. And I'm sure we'll have another episode on exactly this topic. But maybe we can think of grades as um, as an imperfect way to evaluate whether we've all done our primary job correctly, which is to uh, help students develop, have, help students learn these attitudinal skills, these, these facts, these, um, these bits of knowledge, these, um, um, all these milestones in their own personal development and academic development. The, I've always found it interesting as an educator that I have a dual role. One is to, to stimulate development and the other one is to assess whether it happened. And those are slightly in tension with one another too. Yeah. Um, and um, I've known situations in which the two roles are completely detached in the, in the individuals who, who are responsible for them. And I think that's in some way really good. But I also accept that it helps me if I want to know whether I'm doing a good job in the, my primary task to continuously assess it too. 
So we can all agree that grades and uh, assignments and exams are, are perhaps not our primary goal, but are a necessary evil. And well, with the exams, I think it really depends on the format. Uh, the, the current discussion we're having in the faculty is about the multiple choice exams, and which from a technical point of view are very good exams, of course, but when you talk about in this perspective, multiple choice doesn't really give you the feeling that you comprehend something, that you accomplish something. If you do a presentation about a topic, you have to show what you know during the presentation. That gives so much more satisfaction. Or when you write a thesis, you really create something which wasn't there before. Gives so much more satisfaction than you're able to quiz yourself out of the exam, so to say. Yeah. So I think so. Do you agree? Or yeah, I agree. And I also, during my education in England, all of our exams were essay questions. So I got really good at that and used to it. And then I started the bachelor here and almost all of my exams were multiple choice. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I felt like I actually lost that skill over time and had to bring it back now that I'm doing more essay questions. Like in the final year, there was a lot more. But Again, the tension between independence and personal uh, or self-development and structured development. An educator could, you know, if, uh, if one were to be difficult and a devil's advocate would say, well, it doesn't matter the format of the exam. Students should be learning for their own purpose, not for the exam. And of course, I'd be the first to say that this is nonsense and the structures that we create guide uh, guide students to make decisions about how they learn. But let me let me change tack a little bit and talk about you talked about the uh, the expectations of students about what it means to be a successful student and or let's call it the ideal student if such a thing exists or is even useful to think about. But let me bring in um, some attitudes from teachers in my notes. So from the point of view of teachers, we also don't really care about exam grades. We can all agree that apparently exam grades are not, uh, are not the most important thing. What instead we want is uh, students who are committed, who are engaged, who, who come prepared to their classes, who care about the learning process more than specific outcomes who are simultaneously assertive and respectful of uh, other people's learning and the environment that they're in, um, that they are independent in setting their own goals and take initiative in figuring out how to accomplish those goals, um, who, who challenge us and ask questions, uh, who figure out a good manner for them to study, not for memory or recall, but for deep understanding and uh, understand that reading a textbook doesn't mean reading the textbook it means understanding all the foundations that are um, that are behind the words in the textbook and these are the attitudes that teachers have which i also understand to be completely unfair and unrealistic or idealized let's say well i think it's actually something that is a challenge to them because they are the ones responsible for organizing uh, students' learning. So if you want to really be students be independent thinkers, you have to organize in a way that they will become uh, like this. Certainly. And on the other side of my equation, my balancing equation, where my priority is to do this, 
I also have to figure out how to do this within a very limited amount of time with efficiency in mind and making sure yeah. that my students graduate in those three years. Exactly. I heard a lot of students like at psychology where, where, uh, where multiple choice often is an answer to these issues. Like we have too many students, so essay questions are hard to grade with 400 students. Uh, but still, you, you, you get the learning you organize for. Uh, and um, uh, I mean, I understand your story. Like, if you have a lot of essay questions, then you start to think like this. You start to work like this. Um, if you have a lot of uh, multiple choice exams, you, you learn in a different way. I think as a university, we are responsible for how students learn. We expect them to be independent and autonomous, but we actually we have to organize that you can be like this. I don't expect uh, students when they come from secondary schools, especially when they're 18, uh, to be already uh, ready for university. We have to make them ready. And, and, and I think as a university, we can do a better job in this. I like what you say about all of this. I agree. I would also like to add to this that I think rather than considering making them ready for university or all of this is, I think being reflective on the experience. I think you're only ready for university a few years after you finish university. And I think your understanding of what it means to be a university student or your understanding of what it means to be engaged in a particular task should and does continually mature. And this is why I think you will see that a lot of students who return to higher education at a later stage in their life uh, have a very different approach to it, not because they are uh, worldly individuals with great wisdom, but because they have had the benefit of self-reflection and an understanding of what their goal and the task is. And I, rather than the way I like approaching pretty much anything, and I think also higher education, is rather than thinking about the goals, think about the experience. Thinking that the, the process of going through the experience is the goal in itself. I is agree, but, but I know that experience. Like After I finished my thesis, I thought, like, if I had to do it again, it would be so much better. Hmm. Uh, after I did my PhD defense, I thought, if I have to do it again, uh, I would do it so much better. But maybe that experience can be built in the program. But isn't it? If you had this, doesn't it mean it was built into the program? No. Like, after one year of study, I think it would be very good after the first year to have this, like, a week or something that together you're going to reflect on study approaches, like what is really expected, what did I do well this last year, what did I do? I mean, I don't think you were challenged to do so. Maybe you did. I don't know. We have a lot of self-reflection reports, they're called in psychology. Um, but I just... Does it make you happy, does it? No. <laughs> I don't think it makes anybody happy in the end. So then, then, that's, then, then what's the value of it? I honestly didn't see much value in it because it felt Forced. It's I think that's the yeah. trick. <laughs> yeah, but then, then still, it can be forced that the questions are really good. What were the kind of questions you were asked to reflect on? I can't remember now, but they were not very stimulating. And then I remember that multiple times we'd have to write the same essay just at different points. If we had a, a course that lasted the whole year, you'd do a self-reflection report after the first semester and then after the second semester. And it would be very similar questions. 
and you just have to compare your answers from the first with the second. But it was so formulaic that it didn't feel really real. <laughs> Not very thought-provoking. So, but so if, if the, the questions would be more thought-provoking, then mm. probably it would work. I think it would be useful to maybe come up with the questions in class as like a discussion. Because I think when we have a conversation like this, much more ideas are generated and people start thinking more. If you're just given a list of questions at the start of an essay that you don't discuss with anyone, I don't think you contemplate it as much. All right, let me jump in and, and <laughs> give the teacher's point of view here because let's go back to the whole self-development thing and the whole structure thing. Here's an opportunity to self-reflect and take... So the teacher's job is to create meaningful opportunities for self-reflection for the students. Um, and I think we get to the... I think our attitude, our teacher's attitude, is that here's the chance. We give you time. We give you space in your program to sit down and does this question not fit you perfectly? Reformulate it. There is independence in that. I don't think any teacher would tell you, well, you didn't answer the specific question. Self-reflection is open. And I love this kind of tension that... I love the idea that here we are, three individuals representing various layers or perspectives of, uh, of university life. And I think we are in pretty good agreement about what we're all doing here and our common goals and our empathy towards the challenges for each other's goals. And, uh, and yet in practice, often this kind of fails. We teachers are exasperated when this independence and this um, autonomy in our students isn't shown. Students justifiably get exasperated when the assignments that their teachers give them are formulate and, and not genuine. And yet I would say that we're all pretty happy with one another. I think we're all in agreement that our goals are common. Where does this all break down? Class, you seem like you should know the answer. No, well, I was, I was puzzled by this um, self-reflection report you have to write. We all know that if you're more aware of the, um, the metacognitions that you need to, to, to be successful, if you have a reflection on it, then you're more successful. But how can you create such a reflection? Um, so in, in secondary schools we did this, that we asked uh, uh, kids like, well how did you approach him? How did you read the book? Well I read the book, what are you talking about? Uh, then some of us developed all the kinds of um, uh, methods where the, the task was so challenging to them that they really would like to talk about how they work. That they really like, let me tell you how I did it. And, and how I should do how I will do it the next time or as a group but the task itself was so challenging that nobody said like yeah well I've just read the book I mean they really want to talk about it and I think with the self-reflection report maybe there's also a, 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 that's a challenge actually to, to really make the questions like this that you really think yeah yeah I, I really want to answer these questions because I understand um, and often it is something you want to do after you accomplish something. Like if you wrote a paper 
and you understand like what well, the paper well it, it, it was fine but some pieces were not that fine that you suddenly understand okay the next time okay that's what I have to do so that that would be a challenge for us I think to, to formulate the right questions that you really think like no 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 this is not like the last year like I wrote these answers then I can actually copy paste them I don't care I just do this because I have to do it because I think if, if you have that feeling then we fail but it's also a matter of what the value of these is, these questions or these uh, moments are. And if the value is simply my, somebody will evaluate these answers and I want to make sure that they're evaluated in the, in the manner in which they are acceptable, then all questions are going to be formulaic because you're going to try to apply a formula of assessment on them. But perhaps if we think about so how i would advise my students how i would advise my my child to do something like this is to figure out the value of this activity for themselves just like they need to figure out the value of a course or a textbook of an activity for themselves and not just for the exam and the assessment they need to figure out for themselves whether this is a meaningful task for them at that particular moment uh, and try to reach that goal perhaps independently. And speaking of giving advice, and as we're approaching the end of this first episode, uh, let's think about what kind of advice we would give all of these new students who have just started, who have just figured out where their lectures are and where their books are. And let's think about uh, what we would tell them about how to be uh, happy and fulfilled in their studies. Sally? I think for me, the biggest thing was realizing that going to university and just going through the motions is not enough to prepare you, not just for your professional life, but for your future life in general. And that you should pay close attention to anything you want to improve about yourself. Figure out what you want to do later in life and think about the kind of skills you would need in that environment and apply yourself and think about how you can hone those skills already outside of the course material. Uh, Class, do you have any other suggestions? No, I I really liked your advice. I I, I didn't expect that advice. Um, A while ago, I was asked to talk to to new students who were selected to be, they were very talented students, they were in this Socrates program. And I was asked, like, what, what would you advise us how to approach? And I said, well, one of the things, my first advice is uh, disconnect your phone. Uh, stop playing games on your phone or back home on your TV computer. Games are... Uh, throw the TV out of the window. Um, read books, read journals, read read The Economist, read the New York Review of Books, read stuff. There are a lot of intellectual discussions out there that are very interesting. Uh, There's a lot of books that you can read about general topics, about how we came to life, how stuff is organized. Uh, Travel, put yourself in other contexts. I mean, it's, it's really... Even while when you come to the computer, I mean, with the internet, there is so much knowledge there, but often we don't pick it up. We don't. And I think challenge, I mean, also like challenge your teachers. Your teachers, most of your teachers are researchers 
who are on the edge of, of new stuff, ask them about them. Uh, uh, read their stuff and ask them, like, what's the real question here? What's your real problem? Uh, because then you, you, you really challenge the teacher and, and you get the real answers. Because I often see that students are too passive uh, when they're uh, listening to the teachers. Challenge those teachers, because this is the fun part of it, being at the university, meeting the teachers, especially when you can really meet them again. Yeah, that, that, that's something I would say. Tassos? I think my advice in all of these is, um, it's, it's, the, it's the advice that I give almost to every task in life, and that is to figure out for yourself what it means to you, not care about what it means to other people, Take the structures that are available to you, but don't be a servant of these structures. Understand what is important to you, how it leads to your own development and your own goals. Certainly all of the things that you've said are wonderful. Be, um, have broad interests. Don't, um, um, don't approach the tasks from narrow points of view and all of this. And, um, and learn how to cook. It's the most important life skill you're going to be with um, for the rest of your life. Well, eat, eat healthy. Live healthy. Life is short. Thank you for being here with us today. Yes, thank you very much. Well, th thank you for inviting me. It was a real pleasure. And I think this conversation could go on for hours. I'm not sure it if can. the listeners agree. Well, I hope to hear from the listeners to tell us what they think the uh, the purpose of higher education is, the uh, what the characteristics of the ideal students are, and whether we, we do this well in our programs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was a production of the University of Groningen.